We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Jim, that's a good sign. Let him cut back to 11? Yeah. Welcome into Pittsburgh Training Camp Live. I'm your host, Kale Berger, joined by our pair of Steelers insiders, Jim Colony and Jeff Hathorne from 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh, bringing you all you need to know from Steelers Training Camp 2021. And guys, game two of the preseason, the Steelers 2-0, and if that means anything, 24-16 uh, last night over the Philadelphia Eagles at the link. And we got to start out with the biggest headline. It always is the most uh, intriguing headline. That is obviously the quarterbacks. And Dwayne Haskins, a, a dominant performance, really, in there with the second team. Mason Rudolph got the start. Rudolph, uh, Haskins comes in after. And what, led them on four scoring drives? I think he's now up to six scoring drives this preseason. Uh, we talked about this last week after the Hall of Fame game, where, you know, how did this, this backup quarterback uh, competition, how was it shaking out? Uh, did Haskins have even a real chance at all? Well, guys, has thing, have things changed after Dwayne Haskins' performance last night? Uh, 16 of 22, 161 yards and a touchdown. Jeff, I'll start with you. What were your impressions of Haskins uh, last night in Philly? Yeah, it was impressive. I think Mike Tomlin hit it on the head. I mean, he was very comfortable. He went through his progressions. Uh, the guys, you know, seemed to gravitate towards him, and he's had success. He's put points on the board. I mean, that's the bottom line. I, I think – he did gain some ground, however much of a competition this is, and I'm not convinced that this is as hot a competition as the fans uh, yeah. might believe between the two. And the other thing, when you're doing these comparisons at this time of year, like how much is the the opponents that you're facing, if you're the first team, weighed against the quality of your first team and the and the receivers and tight ends and linemen and running backs that you have at your disposal? compared to Dwayne Haskins, you know, until they flip-flop that, I don't know if there is a fair comparison, but Haskins was good. Yeah. And then I don't know if they're going to be willing to do that because Jeff, I agree that I think in the fans eyes, they, they want this to be some kind of a competition, right? You want something to look for something to root for maybe. And I don't think much of the fan base is sold on Mason Rudolph, even though he's looked good at times in the chances that he's had to play in real games and they've never seen Haskins. Um, I, I just don't know if, if Haskins is ever going to be given that chance because we know that, that Ben Roethlisberger is going to start. Mike Tomlin's already said that. Now, how many series he plays against the Detroit Lions, we don't know, and we probably won't know even after the game begins. It'll probably be at least two, maybe three. But then after that, who comes in and who stays in from the Steelers' standpoint? Does Juju stay in the game? Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, et cetera. And if those guys stay in the game – and Haskins comes in, I think, I, I just think it's fair to give him a chance, but, you know, and I don't recall, you know, we're at, between the two of us, we've been at every practice and, and I don't recall really seeing Haskins out there with the ones against the ones. And, and I think that's something that really needs to be seen. I don't know. Although I don't know how the coaches and the personnel people can fairly evaluate this unless it's, it's not an even playing field. And, and, and I don't know if it's going to be one. Yeah, guys, I mean, I think that's the big thing with, with Haskins and Rudolph in this discussion, and, and you're right. They probably should give Haskins an opportunity with the ones. Ben Roethlisberger is going to start the next game. Maybe he plays one or two series, and then you get one or two series with Haskins and the first-teamers. 
But I think it's a it's a two way street. Or there's two ways to look at it. It's either Mason Rudolph is not converting on scoring drives, not leading this team to touchdowns and field goals with the first teamers out there, or it's or it's Dwayne Haskins doing it against lesser competition, but he also is is with lesser uh, help around him in terms of the skill positions. You know, he's making guys like Cody White, like Rico Bussey. Those guys are making plays for him to their credit. But you know, he's not working with a Deontay Johnson with a Chase Claypool. Mason Rudolph has those guys. But he's not converting those into scoring drives. And I think at the base level of this whole thing, as a quarterback, it's about making sure your team gets in the end zone. And if not that, at least gets three points. Jim, what do you – I thought – What's the way to interpret that? You know, and, and I thought this game, especially with – and it's weird because the Steelers have four preseason games, which is the way that it always has been, um, at least in recent years. And, and yet it's like a bonus game because other teams only have three. So I, I thought that the Philadelphia game was the, was the chance to do that, would, would have been a chance to start Haskins. But I, I guess they're afraid of sending the wrong message to Mason Rudolph, like who has done really hasn't done anything to lose his position as the number two quarterback, but he hasn't done anything to cement it either. I, and I know that the penalties were, were, penalties were a problem, and you can't blame a holding penalty against, you know, Fryermuth or Trey Turner. You can't blame that on – you can't blame that on, on Rudolph. He's kind of a victim of circumstance. And yet True. at the same time, he hasn't shown me anything in terms of move the ball down the field, score some points. They haven't done that for him. They're doing that for Haskins. And, and one other thing I wanted to mention about Haskins, I thought – I didn't think he looked very comfortable – two games ago in the, in the hall of fame game, I thought he was kind of thrown off his back foot, looked a little skittish at times, or just not, you're not sure of everything last night. However, to me, it was completely different. Um, yeah. he, he, he looked a lot more confident and, and that's why I want to see him. I, I want to see him with better players against better competition. Yeah. And, and Jim and I, Kale and I have seen Dwayne Haskins a lot in college. And that kind of reminded me, he started to get into that rhythm where it looked like he was the guy that he was in college, just making good decisions, making good reads, not taking chances. Uh, and he was good in that regard. But Jim, your point is, is well thought out there as far as the holding penalties. I mean, Haskins didn't deal with two holding calls and a false start on a third and two, which made it a third and seven. I mean, Rudolph was eight of nine. He didn't get it in the end zone. That That is the bottom line. But on the same count, Jalen Samuels, Anthony McFarlane, and Kalen Balaj have gotten in the end zone. Does that mean they're better than Najee Harris? <laughs> no. I mean, seriously, if, if yeah. you logically think this out, Najee Harris is obviously their best running back, but he hasn't had as much success or his numbers aren't as good as the guys behind him. Is that because – He's not better than them, or they're given more opportunities against lesser opponents. And I think that as much as everybody wants to jump on the Haskins train, you have to you have to sit back if you're the coaches and evaluate everything along those lines. Kale Berger here on Pittsburgh Training Camp Live with our Steelers insiders from 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh, Jeff Hathorne and Jim Colony. Jeff still in Philadelphia there, hard at work for us uh, covering the game late last night. Uh, I think the one thing with Haskins, guys, last night as we kind of wrap up this portion of the of today's show on the quarterbacks is you know we we learned last week that Mike Tomlin calls him check down that he was being a little too passive with the ball you know and that's something that Haskins talked about last week and 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 Tomlin was asked about and talked about last week and we saw that in the Hall of Fame game you know basically they ran five yard hitch routes every play and he was completing them but you know he wasn't pushing anything down the field I thought that was a really big step in his maturation at least in a Steelers uniform this preseason uh that you know, he had that deep one down the sideline to uh, to Rico Bussey. He had the seam route that he fit in there to uh, to Cody White, which I thought was a great throw, and he was able to protect him as well. He didn't leave him out to dry for to get killed by a safety. 
Uh, and then finding, um, I, I believe it was Johnson uh, in the back yeah, of the end zone on the touchdown. Does. Yeah, and, and and having the poise to roll out and, and keep under composed and under pressure and to find that guy you know wide open in the end zone. I know he's wide open. It was a blown coverage by Philly, but you got to take advantage of it when it's there. You got to make sure you capitalize on those mistakes. So, um, you know, I, I agree with you guys that I think the poise was there for Haskins. And like I said, I think that he, the, the fact that he put the ball down the field a little bit more, he made some of those tight window throws, I think was a good, uh, a good step in his maturation. One final thing I want to mention here on the quarterback battle guys. And I want to give a shout out to our own Josh, Josh Roundtree of uh 93.7, the fan here in Pittsburgh. He tweeted this out in the game last night, a stat that was, now, I didn't go vet this myself, but I trust Josh. He does the work to, to find a stat like this. This is In his last 75 drives as quarterback, Mason Rudolph has led the Steelers' offense to a touchdown just six times, 0 for 6 this preseason. So as we talk about the discussion off the top, it's about getting into the end zone. It's about scoring points at the end of it. Six touchdowns over his last 75 drives, including this preseason with the Steelers. So uh, that's another stat to look at that – just simply, for as accurate as he can be, for as in control of the offense he seems to be, Jim, he's not putting the ball in the end zone. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I and, and you know what? If, if if something were to happen, if something were to happen to Ben Roethlisberger, um, I I would I I like the I like Haskins's chance of making things happen better than I like Rudolph's. And and again, maybe that's not like I I pointed out earlier the the uneven playing field here. Um, and and I I honestly don't know how not just the Steelers but but it, you know how NFL personnel people can make decisions based on what I think is would be incomplete evidence. Right. No, I agree. And to Jim, to your point, like if Ben were to go down, and hopefully, obviously, that does not happen, uh, I would skip Mason Rudolph and go to Dwayne Haskins because I think the ceiling is higher with Dwayne Haskins than it is with Mason Rudolph. But I would want Rudolph to be my backup, to be my mop-up guy or a guy to go into a game just because of, of his knowledge, and I, I think that better suits him, and I think a year off is good for Haskins. I'll tell you the stat, and and again, some of those things with, with Rudolph, bottom line is he hasn't been getting into the end zone, but the Cleveland game was good. He was good against a team that had to win at home that was playing really well, and, he, and they nearly won the game without some of their starters. Uh, but the stat for Haskins that I would want to leave this quarterback conversation with, when he was in the game, the Steelers converted nine of 11 third downs. Mm. That is, that, I don't care who you are and who you're going against. That's an impressive number. And I think speaks well to Haskins, but you know, you wonder if there is going to be much of a competition because you know, Roethlisberger is starting game three and game four. I don't know what you can read into the players that'll be playing in game four. Uh, last final thought that came to my mind on this quarterback conversation before we put this thing to bed. Finally, uh, if Dwayne Haskins does end up winning the backup job, is Mason Rudolph still on this roster this season, or should the, would it behoove the Steelers to just trade him at that point if he doesn't win the quarterback job with the lead that he came in with, the backup job over Haskins? If Haskins takes it, do you deal Rudolph and keep Josh Dobbs as the third quarterback on this team, Jim? Trade him to whom for what? You know, I mean, what kind of value does he have? Yeah. Uh, and I know they got a fifth-round draft pick for Josh Dobbs a couple years ago. Uh, I... I I almost you know it's funny I almost would rather have have if I had to put a quarterback in a game on the spot I'd almost rather have it be Dobbs than 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 than, than Rudolph and I'm not anti Mason Rudolph I really am not uh, wow. but I I just I just don't know um, you know I just I just don't know but I don't but Jeff you think he's got any kind of trade value out there for anything I guess uh, if there are injuries Indianapolis maybe that's the Schobert trade 
is for Mason. Uh, I would be, I would do that. You know, hey, look, they, the Steelers traded Josh Dobbs a couple of years ago, what, for a fifth-round pick? Yeah. I think it was. Yeah. If they could get a fifth-round pick for Mason Rudolph, um, yeah, I'd be tempted to make that deal, but I don't know if that is out there. And if, if Kevin Colbert were to get something more than a fifth-round pick for Mason Rudolph, then uh, he's GM of the year. Well, you know, with that first round grade, you would hope they got a first round pick from Mason Rudolph, but uh, that's probably a low blow. <laughs> yes, uh, a little uh, bit. Kale Burger. By the way, Jim, why do you hate Mason Rudolph? Hey, the Buffalo Bills. We we have uh, Doug Whaley, former Steelers and Bills front office guy, with us once a week on the Fan Morning Show, and I asked him specifically. I said, "What kind of a grade did you have on Mason Rudolph?" He said, third round." So <laughs> there you go. Kale Berger here with Jeff Hathler and Jim Colony, our Steelers insiders from 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh here on Pittsburgh Training Camp Live. And, Jeff, you alluded to it there. You, you name-dropped him there real quick. That is Joe Schobert, reportedly, according to multiple reports, the new Steelers linebacker coming in to probably play alongside Devin Bush. This was a report that dropped really in the first quarter of last night's game, a 24-16 win for the Steelers in their second preseason game over the Philadelphia Eagles. And it almost came at the perfect time because as we're watching the game, I believe the Steelers started out on defense. We saw Devin Bush's first action of the preseason <laughs> since his ACL injury last year. We saw him out there with Robert, Robert Spillane. And right as this news was breaking, we were seeing both Devin Bush and Robert Spillane just getting burned play after play <laughs> by tight ends and running backs of the Philadelphia Eagles. And sure enough, the Steelers apparently uh, reportedly have made a trade for a guy who was the second best coverage linebacker back in 2018, according to Pro Football Focus, who first broke this news. Uh, a guy from the Jaguars who signed a five-year, $53 million contract last year. Apparently, they're going to eat some of that money, and that's how they're able to bring him in here for the Steelers to give them some help in terms of their off-ball linebacker. But, Jeff, I'll start with you. Uh, the reports that the Steelers have added Joe Schobert, uh, an accomplished uh, former Pro Bowl linebacker from the Jacksonville Jaguars, to bolster their linebacker room. Uh, and, and let me remind you as well, before I get your take here, Keith Butler last week basically threw a, a, a subtle shot or a, a subtle hint to, to Kevin to, to Kevin Colbert saying, I need some help at inside linebacker. Well, it looks like it's on the way. Well, it's good that your boss listens to you. So that's, that, that's always, yeah. that, that is yeah. always positive. Let me peel back the curtain <laughs> for a second. It, it was interesting. The 34 yard pass to the tight end happens. And it's at that point that Twitter starts going off about, oh, there's reports about Joe Schobert. And the press box, there's an area where the visiting media sits. Yeah. So all of a sudden, while the Eagles media is kind of watching the game, you see all of us, we just start. And then <laughs> as the game is going on, we're all writing Joe Schobert stories. The game's going on right in front of us, and we're all. And we look up. Because that that was the huge story of the day. It wasn't what was, yeah. what was going on on the field. Um, I I love the deal, um, the proposed deal. I don't know what the Steelers are giving up, uh, especially for Jacksonville to take a little extra money. But it's an area of need. It's someone that you have locked up for years. The guy, he's only been to one Pro Bowl somehow, given the number of tackles he makes, uh, his leadership. He's not he's not the most physical linebacker ever, but. He, as you mentioned, he is a coverage backer, and yeah. that is something that they are lacking. And to be able to get him, have him, um, and have him for, you know, I know you look at the back end the last couple of years, it's it's a higher salary. If he, if he you know, falls out, you can always release him. So I think it's $7.25 for this year that fits. Uh, yeah. I like the move. 
Yeah, I, it was it was right. The timing of it was tremendous, and and so now I'm all. I'm sure you guys are too. Now following Megan Schobert on Twitter, of because uh, she apparently has all the scoops. She was actually really funny about Ends that. It's better one. be. Yeah, and no, but then who was it? Was it Rappaport? One of the one, you know one of the the, the NFL information guys uh, basically mentioned her and says, "How does she get her information?" Kind of jokingly, and she said she hangs out at the Senior Bowl and has made a lot of contacts. And so it's nice to know that hard work has finally paid off. Um, but uh, I'm assuming that she's dropping yins and stuff like that. That this deal is going to happen. I am fascinated. You know, when when we find out, and a lot of you watching will already know what the return is. But I'm, I'm fascinated to find out what that return is. And and why is Jacksonville anxious to get rid of them? I don't know if they're anxious. That'll be part of the return, wouldn't it? To, to find out, you know, yep. what they're what 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 the Steelers are willing to give up to get him. And, Jim, you, you kind of wonder, I mean, Urban Meyer taking over. Is he not an urban guy? Um, not because he went to Wisconsin, but because maybe he just doesn't fit the type of linebacker that he's looking for. And, they, and they're looking to free up for some kind of huge deals in the future. I mean. Sometimes it could just be a coach thing. Maybe they don't, there's something they don't like about him. But I mean, we saw him a lot when he was with the Browns. I don't know that there's a lot not to like about him. Again, maybe the one thing is he's not, you know, he's not Vince Williams physical. Uh, but uh, the other attributes are something that are sorely needed. Yeah, you know, I think that the physicality of Joe Schobert is probably uh, plays second fiddle to his to his coverage ability because. We know how the NFL is going, guys. And, and from what we've seen in just two preseason games, and even last year with his track record, Robert Spillane, a great story, a great guy, definitely a thumper. You can ask Derrick Henry about that. But he is not a guy who's going to cover people in space. And he makes a lot of tackles. And we talked about this off the air, Jeff, not to steal your, your line here, but he makes a lot of tackles because he's chasing a lot of guys. And, and that's exactly <laughs> that's exactly the truth. I mean, you look at the game last night. I believe it was uh, was Jackson, the, the the tight end number eighty for the Eagles last night. I mean, this guy was playing quarterback six months ago. He played college quarterback at Buffalo. He's now a tight end. He made the switch six months ago, and he's cooking Robert Spillane out there in the open field. So you know, I, I think we're right that this happened at the exact perfect time, uh, perfect uh, timing by by Kevin Colbert and the Steelers because as Roberts Blaine and Devin Bush were getting routed in the middle of the field. And this was something that we talked about right after the first preseason game too, on a Friday morning show, right after the hall of fame game, that they had some trouble, some difficulty with the running backs and the tight ends of Dallas. Uh, now we see kind of immediately in the aftermath, they decided to go out and make this move for Joe Schobert. So I think we're all in agreement guys that uh, a good move by the Steelers and a prudent move to try and shore things up. And if you look at this defense now, I mean, we haven't really seen the defensive linemen or the starting defensive linemen out there in preseason yet, but, this defense looks even more formidable. It was one of the best in the in the NFL coming into this year. Uh, really, the only real question mark is still that other cornerback spot opposite of uh, opposite of Joe Hayden, depending on what they do with Cam Sutton if he goes inside or outside. But you look at this defensive line, you look at the linebacking group, you look at the secondary, Jeff, and this is a definitely a formidable defense that is in the upper echelon of the NFL, even more so than we expected them to be. Yeah, and it was, it was a point brought up on the Fan Morning Show, that, uh, and a very good one, that we haven't seen the Steelers' best pass rush yet, which helps yeah. out the secondary. And I thought they played well. I, I don't know how good Philadelphia's offense is. I don't know how good, how good Jalen Hurts is. I mean, we saw Joe Flacco uh, perform fairly well in his little, in his little bit of time, but uh, the Steelers held them without a, a third-down conversion. Uh, I thought I think it was 10 first downs total. Uh, yeah, I think this is a defense 
uh, while, you know, there's some areas in depth where they could get better. I mean, from a starting standpoint, now with Schobert in the mix, uh, I, James Pierre is getting a long look. That, that's intriguing. And I think they not, that may not be a, a thing where Cam Sutton is out there every time. There may be times where they throw Pierre in and Sutton goes into the middle. I think they have yeah. options, uh, and that allows Keith Butler to be creative. Yeah, that, that's one thing. And, and I'll just throw it to you, Jeff. Have you seen any, either any separation between Antoine Brooks and, and Arthur Millette? Or have you seen anything from either of those guys that would lead you to believe you want them to be the slot corner instead of Cam Sutton with Pierre on the outside? Yeah, and, you know, it's tough because Brooks couldn't play last night with injury. Yeah. So, you know, that would have been a big opportunity. Millette, I mean, Millette was out there, but – you know, of the guys that are potentially a slot corner, at least in the future, the one that's been more noticeable has been Trey Norwood. Uh, I know he wasn't able to, you know, catch up with the receiver on that wide receiver screen, but that wasn't his responsibility. Uh, but I thought Norwood is a, has acquitted himself pretty well, especially for a late-round pick. Remember how excited Mike Tomlin was when they got him. And he the Swiss Army knife. Pick. Yeah, I mean, he you could tell, like, hey, I can't believe this guy fell down here because of his slow 40 time. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes football time is different than 40 time. And I, I think Norwood has been uh, has, has been a nice addition. And another guy that in the mix that's kind of been quiet and is a good special teams guy is Miles Killebrew. I think uh, he may fill some type of role, not a prominent one, but he's a guy that could, could fit in here and there at certain times. Yeah, I'll be curious to see if – because Trey Norwood so far for a Swiss Army knife has only been like one blade of it because he's only played safety. Um, and they haven't worked him anywhere else. It would be it would be interesting to see if I, it, it would certainly be um, well if, if all of a sudden he starts getting some reps at slot corner where he hasn't really gotten any yet. That that would kind of show you what the coaches are thinking about some of the other guys. I think another guy just to mention in the secondary guys as Kilberger here with Jeff Hathorne and Jim Colony, Steelers insiders from ninety three seven The Fan in Pittsburgh. Um, I thought another guy in the secondary that stood out to me last night was Justin Lane. You know, he's been a guy who has been. Uh, I guess much maligned and kind of counted out in this in this battle to be a cornerback, but for the second game in a row, the guy forced a turnover. You know, and there's something to be said about being there in the right spot. I know it's probably a poor throw from Nick Mullins, but for the second game in a row, he's forced a turnover. Uh, what have we seen from Justin Lane in terms of this cornerback battle to play opposite Joe Hayden? Because we've seen a lot of James Pierre. He's getting a long look, like you said, Jeff. But Jim, what did you see from Justin Lane last night? And, and is there anything that is giving you? any optimism that he could be a guy that could factor into the plans more than we anticipated? Well, and, and Jeff and I have talked about this and I've asked Mike Tomlin about it. What's more important, what you see in the preseason games or what you see on a day-to-day -day basis at training camp. And he kind of indicated that the games are more important to him. Um, Justin Lane, I mean, this is his chance because he's not going to get another one after this season. Yeah. Uh, he hasn't done anything yet to impress me or, or I'm sure anybody else. And yet it's almost like the but like the Haskins Rudolph thing where, hey, if he's making things happen in games against other nameless gray faces and opposing helmets, uh, then then that's got to count for something. Um, and the, the play last night, you're right, it was it wasn't a good throw. There were a bunch of other Steelers that were in the vicinity as well. And maybe the ball uh, floated a little bit on him. Uh, but Lane made a read on it. He made a good read on the ball. And, and if you can do that, that's going to impress coaches. They probably would like to have him make the team again because, well, he was a third-round pick a few years ago. Uh, but but he's, I still need to see a lot more from him before I'm sold on him. I think James Pierre is a better player. Yeah, our time ran out with Mike Tomlin because I wanted to ask him about that because, you know, Justin Lane made the, 
Maya has the two turnovers, and that's true. What we've seen from practice has not been great. That is also true. I would say this, the lane two turnovers, the one, he's chasing down a receiver who is loose in the secondary. So yeah. is that his responsibility to begin with? And on the second one, Jameer Jones made Mullins throw it early. And the, you could tell the receiver had just made his turn and wasn't quite where he wanted to be yet. And the ball just happened to go right to lane. And if he would have looked, he probably would have made the catch. So do you factor in that or is it just flat out the guy has gotten turnovers? That's why these coaches sit in these agonizingly long meetings <laughs> yes. and, you know, and, and try to figure out who's the best for us. I will say one thing, though. Uh, Jameer Jones, over a couple of preseason mm -hmm. games, as long as he can do stuff on special teams, uh, I think the second-year guy out of Notre Dame's got a real shot of making this team. Yeah, he's a guy you notice. I've not, if I've had to look down at my roster. You know, we have we have the roster with ninety names on it uh, during training camp, and and sometimes a number will make a play, and I have to look down to see who it is. And I've done that. I've, I've I've done that with his number a few times. Yeah, it's not Matakevich. Who is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned uh, Jameer Jones, Jeff, because, yeah, he has definitely made an impact in the first two preseason games. There's always one fringe edge rusher that kind of makes a name for himself and becomes a Correct. cult hero in terms of Steelers training camp. It's yeah, been Tazar Skipper in the past, and and now it appears to be uh, uh, Jameer Jones. All right, final thing, guys, before we wrap things up for the, uh, this Monday or this Friday show, uh, and that is the, we got to talk about the Steelers' offensive line, right? It's obviously <laughs> always the – it's the, uh, it's the required discussion that we have to have every week, the Steelers' offensive line. Uh, we saw more of similar, I guess, what we expect to be the first-team unit. Expect Kevin Dotson did end up playing with the second team. I, what do we think about the first team? And then, you know, I also kind of want to get our thoughts on the second-team group because something impressed me about the second-team guys. But, Jeff, I'll let you start. What were your impressions of more so of what we expect the first-team offensive line to be out there with, when, when they were with Mason Rudolph? So you've twice foreshadowed the word more, and I think you're going somewhere with that. That, that wasn't just blind talk. Uh, here's what I saw from the first-team offensive line. Badness. <laughs> Badness. Uh, it's not good. And that's why, again, with the Mason Rudolph talk, you know, is, is it all on him? And it can't all be excuses, and Josh's stat is a great one. Um, but, I mean, the holding penalties – or the yeah. holding penalty, because the one was on Friermuth – the false start penalty, and then there was a play where Mason got sacked where three guys, Green, Coward, and Haig, yeah. uh, all got blown up on the same play. Like, they're all O-laying on the same play, and, man, that was just – that was not good. I, and, I saw another one where, where Trey Turner and Kendrick Green got blown up by one guy. And I, I think, you know, overall, and again, it, it's level of competition you're playing against. I thought Hassenauer was a better center. Does he work his way back? I mean, remember, Hassenauer was first team on the first depth chart. Maybe that was a, a game sending a message. I'm not going to put a rookie on first team on that offensive line. Yeah. Uh, but uh, if you just strictly look <clears throat> at that game, Hassenauer was better. Well, Mike Tomlin did say, Jeff, didn't he, that he was asking, can we read anything into this stuff about Kendrick Green? And he goes, I wouldn't. Uh, so I, I would assume that Hassanar, there's still competition there. There should be. Um, Kevin Dotson is the best offensive lineman on the team. That's what I think anyway. Uh, and nothing I've seen so far has changed my opinion. You know, was he playing against down the liners? Yeah, but uh, our old friend Trey Essex, who knows a little bit about offensive line play, tweeted out last night, 
basically with a, a compliment and, and acknowledging that he was playing against second and third teamers, but Dotson was having a real good game. Yeah. And then next to him, as you guys mentioned, Dan Moore Jr., who I thought in the offseason workouts, non-contact stuff, I'm thinking this guy can't play a lick. But he's, <laughs> he's, he's, better, he's better with pads on. Yeah. Um, and and I'm not ready to I'm not ready to bury Chooks a core for either, uh, because he's only practiced a few times right. uh, and maybe once in pads. And so that was the first real action that he's had. And and again, put Dotson out there and put Dotson out there next to Kendrick Green, for that matter, and, and see if he looks better and see if he, he if he helps make the other guys look better. And that's why I, I want to see this take shape and this Dotson on the second team stuff. That's got to stop. Yeah, Chukso Okorafor, I thought, had an up-and-down game. He had some where he just got absolutely bull rushed, and he had others where he held his water and did a nice job there, uh, manning the left side. But it was his first game, and I think think that is fair to point out. It was his first game on a new side. Yeah, he's had hardly any reps in practice. Exactly, exactly. So I think given that, I thought he he, he had an okay performance. But I'm glad you mentioned Dan Moore Jr. because I think that that second-team offensive line was just bludgeoning the Eagles. And whether it was Anthony McFarland – uh, whether it was Jalen Samuels, I mean, you throw Tony Brooks. TBJ. Yeah, they were gashing the Eagles <laughs> run after run after run and just dominating them in the trenches. You, I, I, Every play I would rewind and go back and see what the offensive line did because I'm a little bit of a ball watcher at times. I have a tendency to do that. I would see Dotson destroying people, Dan Moore yeah. Jr. right alongside him, laying people out. These guys were exceptional. And I know what you said, Jim, that they're, they're down the liners they're probably playing against, but – I've really been impressed by Dan Moore Jr. the most. And as for Kevin Dotson, I thought that that was what we expect of him. And and I agree that it's about time we get him back in the first team. Enough of the the antics and the yeah. and the and the and cutting him down from Mike Tomlin's perspective, trying to teach him a lesson. Yeah, Jim. To your point, that is. It, it is. It's time to put him in there and, and let's go. He's he's said whatever message he needed to send. Uh, yeah. Let's go. I've seen enough of Rashad Coward. And if, again, if you followed the Bears. Um, or anybody that follows the Bears, uh, you don't want Rashad Coward in the game. It doesn't mean he's not a nice guy. You, you just don't – you don't want him in the game. Plus, he's, and it's time, plus it's he's bigger than you, Jeff. Yeah, and, and it's time for these guys to start getting some cohesion. I think that's another thing we, we noticed with that first-team offensive line. As Jim said, these guys haven't even gotten practices together, let alone game reps. Uh, I think there is some importance to that, especially when there's so many new guys. And I'd love to be able to see – four-fifths of that starting offensive line if Banner isn't ready uh, on, what, next Saturday. Kale Berger here with Jeff Hathorne and Jim Colony, our Steelers insiders from 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh. Read all of their coverage at 93.7thefan.com. Guys, thank you for your insight as always, and I'll talk to you next week. Cool. All right, bye now. Steelers 24-16 over the Philadelphia Eagles. They're 2-0 in the preseason, if that means anything, and plenty more to discuss here with Two more preseason games and plenty of cuts to come. Uh, Plenty of discussion and storylines still to talk about here coming up next week on Pittsburgh Training Camp Live.